In today's high-deductible, increased personal responsibility world, does direct primary care make sense for your individual and group clients? We'll find out on part one of this two-part episode of Shift Shapers. Change either paralyzes or energizes. The choice is yours. You're listening to the Shift Shapers podcast. You're about to learn firsthand from businesses and entrepreneurs who have successfully shaped the shifts in their industries. Get ready to become the change that you want to see. Here's your host and Chief Transformation Strategist, David Saltzman. This episode is brought to you by MyEdge, the premier provider of Form 5500 prospecting solutions. Employee benefits, property and casualty, and financial professionals all rely on this affordable, easy-to-use, real-time search engine to find their target prospects in both large and small group markets. Visit www.myedge.biz for more information or click on the sponsor link at shiftshapersonline.com. About a year or so ago, we spent some time talking about a subject that generated an awful lot of interest among listeners, and that's the whole field of direct pay primary care or direct pay practices. Some have in the past referred to them as concierge medicine. That's really not an apt descriptor at this point, and we'll talk a little bit about that with today's guests. But we're fortunate to have with us Dr. Samir Kamar. He's the founder and CEO of two companies, and we're going to do kind of a two-part interview here because there's so much to discuss. The first piece that we're going to talk about is the more parochial direct pay primary care practice, which his company is called Medlion, and some of you may have heard of it in the industry. I know they've been around for a while, and they've been a, a really terrific innovator. And then we're going to transition and talk about a newer entity, a newer product that Dr. Kamar has been involved with helping to invent and to launch called Medwan. So with that, Samir, welcome. Thank you, David. Pleasure being here. Thank you for sharing your expertise with the Shift Shapers audience. So, As I mentioned in the opening, you've been a pioneer and a disruptor, which I think is a, a label you'd probably wear proudly, in direct primary care. Let's start by defining for the audience, when we talk about direct pay primary care, what do we mean? So direct primary care, which is the official way to say it, is nothing really new, David. It's basically taking things back to pre-World War II, when insurance, health insurance, was simply used to cover expensive catastrophes while being able to see a primary care physician directly. So we've really taken back the clock, and uh, direct primary care, is, if it's defined today, would be when the consumer pays for primary care directly and reserving insurance for rare catastrophes. With the table set like that, let's talk a little bit about your journey, because you have a really interesting story about how you ended up at Medline. Would you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So I, I was fortunate enough, uh, David, to go to a very nice medical training program for family medicine in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. The program at Lancaster General Hospital is considered one of the country's best when it comes to family medicine, and they really trained us well. It was during this three-year period, very early, that I realized that I wasn't really happy with the way current healthcare systems were. I learned early that a fee-for-service system just wasn't appealing to me as a physician, not just because it was inconvenient to me, but also it was inconvenient to my patients, and I didn't feel I could provide great care in the 10 minutes I was allocated per patient that I was expected to perform uh, in that capacity when I, when I graduated from residency. 
So I looked for better models of care. And at this time, in the early 2000s, concierge medicine was becoming more and more popular. Concierge medicine is a cousin of direct primary care. It started earlier than direct primary care. But concierge medicine is when you have an access fee where you're allowed to contact your doctor 24-7 in exchange for these services where you're allowed to contact your doctor by cell phone, by text, by email. You get house calls sometimes. And that typically is in addition to the insurance premium you would have to pay for the actual medical service. Uh, I like that model because doctors in that model keep their patient capacity down to a couple of hundred patients. I felt that I could provide better care if I was allowed more time with my patients. So straight out of residency, I opened up a concierge medical practice. It was the first one in Monterey, California. I launched it in late 2005, early 2006. And I very quickly became the house doctor also for the Pebble Beach Resorts, which was a very prestigious position to hold in that area. And with those two practices, both concierge practices, I continue to do very well. My wife is also a family physician, and she did not want to do concierge medicine, but rather open a regular type of medical practice that we may be all used to these days. And she took insurance, including Medicare. When the economy hit in 2008, my practice didn't suffer so much. I had a very expensive concierge practice. In fact, it was the most expensive in the country. My wife's practice, however, that took care of regular folks and employees through employer-sponsored care the way we know it today, did suffer. She saw a decline of about 25% in her patient visit rate and decided to look into why that was happening. Upon close inspection, we decided that nothing was wrong with us. It was the economy. And what had happened, uh, David, was people were getting laid off. And when they get laid off, they lose their benefits. So when you lose your benefits, you really don't want to come in. You can't afford to pay the self-pay rates in many cases because the self-pay rates are dictated by the average per visit fee that the doctor usually gets. In our case, it was $100. A patient who's losing their job, losing their house, would rather pay a few dollars to go to CVS to try to take care of that cough rather than to come into the doctor's office and have to pay $100 out of pocket. So what we did is we decided to shrink the fee structure in my concierge medicine practice, which was at that time catering to the wealthy, shrink it down to a level that an average person could afford. We remember thinking of that fee to be $50 a month because that was what our cable bill was coincidentally at that time. And we thought, well, if most people have cable. Would they mind having primary care where we provide them with excellent primary care services, discounts on medications, labs and imaging? And it was basically most of the health care that they would get, aside from specialty and hospital care. But if we could do just that, we'd be doing them a great service because they couldn't afford to come in otherwise. So that's how Medline was born. In 2009, we started it, and we really started ramping up operations in 2010. But Medline Direct Primary Care was born in Monterey, California, out of the recession in an effort to take care of regular folks to be able to afford them regular primary care. And so that is where we started in 2010. Today, we are more of a direct primary care carrier after the industry uh, was recognized and actually inserted into the Affordable Care Act. We then started growing our model. And so today, MedLion is the nation's only direct primary care carrier. We have a network of primary care physicians independently owned in 27 states. And uh, we're growing very quickly, particularly in light of the Affordable Care Act mandates that have been rolling out. 
Because if you take MedLion's primary care services and cap that at our monthly cost, which is now $85 a month, you reserve just the, the last end of it, if you will, for insurance. And that combined cost helps to keep the healthcare cost down for the employer by up to 50%. That is why we've been growing so fast, and, and that's what we've done with MedLion. You spoke a little bit about ACA and talked a, a quick bit about that in a reference. There was a key provision that was placed in ACA. I think that's important for our listeners to know about. Can you explain that? Certainly. So Medline is not the only direct primary care company. There are several others that operate on a regional basis. There's one at least that operates on a national basis besides us. And so a lot of these industry pioneers, if you will, David, got together and when Obama was elected, decided to approach the folks who were writing the ACA. And we managed to convince them that what we were doing was actually going to help consumers save money. And it was something that wasn't really new. It was just taking it back to the old times. And so an amendment was put in into the ACA before the ACA went public and went official, where it basically says direct primary care medical homes, when combined with catastrophic type wrap insurance, can actually be combined to uh, be put on the exchanges. And so... That is what we did. Um, it didn't directly impact our company, but uh, it did give comfort and an introduction to this industry, if you will, by those who were interested in staying in compliance with the ACA. But that's how it is inserted into the ACA. Senators um, Harry Reid and Bill Nelson were the ones who helped us do this, and uh, they were very kind to put it into the ACA for us. What it did also do was serve as a catalyst for many states to take notice of what direct primary care can do for healthcare and create legislation for their own states. Today, there are 14 states that have passed legislation that recognize direct primary care as a non-insurance health program that serves primary care for patients. And um, it's, I think, going to continue to accelerate. Is this an individual play or an employer pay or a group play or, or both? Across the industry, I believe it's both. And for Medline, it's also both. But the reason I say I believe is because we originally started to take care of the individual patient. We created our company, for instance, before the ACA was even born, which means that there were 55 million uninsured Americans at that time who we were targeting, at least to get them basic care. Today, however, The ACA wants full comprehensive coverage as much as possible to stay in compliance, particularly with the employer mandates. So Medline has pivoted. Our company has pivoted into going towards the employer market. Almost, I would say, 95% of our market currently is the employer group market. Many other direct primary care providers, either operating on a local or regional level, many of them have solo practices trying to do this on their own because they really enjoy practicing this way. They are mainly appealing to an individual audience, which in my opinion isn't as effective because direct primary care is not in compliance with the individual mandate. And so we as a company, as as a rule, go after employer groups. And uh, I believe that's where everybody else will eventually be going as well. And now a word from our sponsor, MyEdge, the premier provider of Form 5500 prospecting solutions. Want to find prospects in your area without cold calling? but with a warm introduction from a network relationship or from the prospect's accounting firm? How about finding companies that are out of compliance on their Form 5500 filing? What if you could find prospects that are paying more than standard compensation for their products and services? It can be difficult to find dependable business intelligence for both large and small group markets. With MyEdge, 
you'll have the ultimate unfair advantage. MyEdge makes it easy to create a pipeline of only qualified leads. You'll set yourself apart from the crowd when you know how to build a targeted value-add strategy for the companies you want to work with. Clients and prospects always appreciate when their benefits consultants take the time to understand their employee benefits before they meet. Don't act and sound like everyone else. Learn more about this innovative prospecting solution by visiting www.myedge.biz or by clicking the sponsor link at shiftshapersonline.com. Let's go back to kind of the nuts and bolts a little bit because it's fascinating. One of the reasons that direct primary care works so well is because it, it realigns incentives. It's a phrase that you hear often when I talk to folks who are engaged in the industry. Talk a little bit about how that works, if you will, and why that's so important. Absolutely. I think before we get into that, uh, also, it's important to frame that with why insurance is not necessary in primary care. Insurance was designed as an industry to cover rare and expensive events. It's risk management for risk. Well, there's nothing really risky about a sinus infection or an ear infection. So the way insurance was created was to take care of catastrophic issues that are very expensive that would not allow necessarily you to go bankrupt. Heart surgeries cost a lot. Cancer treatments cost a lot. That's where we need insurance. And because of the way it's designed, it's not designed to handle frequent claims. In fact, frequent claims destroy the entire health insurance or any insurance model on its own. It's why in car insurance, we only use claims frequently. Hopefully, you don't have a car accident every month, and that claim is, is much less utilized. Same with homeowners, associ- uh, homeowners insurance, the same with life insurance. It's very rarely that those claims are filed, which is what keeps those insurance costs down. Health insurance, on the other hand, healthcare is the only industry where we use insurance for everything, both rare events but also common events. And the common events in healthcare are what you get in primary care. Unfortunately, primary care itself comprises 75% of general healthcare needs. When you are taking 75% of general healthcare needs and using insurance for that, you're generating a very high frequency of claims, something insurance was never designed for. And like in any insurance model, whenever you increase the number of claims, you increase the cost of insurance. It's partly why you see such high health insurance costs everywhere and they keep rising. So what we did with direct primary care is we said as an industry, you don't need insurance for primary care if we can make primary care affordable for you. Well, that begs the question, what is affordable? Uh, Today, it's not that affordable. If you go into a walk-in clinic for a sinus infection and don't have insurance, it can cost you upwards of $150 to $200, sometimes more, depending on all of the things that are added to that visit, because we get paid as physicians on a fee-for-service basis. In a capped model, where all of your primary care is capped and paid directly by the consumer, or the employer in this case, who also might be the consumer, you are then only left with insurance for catastrophic needs. So th- that is very important to, I think, pretext with, with why the dollars flow the way they do. But keeping that in mind, next, when the doctors and the doctor groups and the doctor carrier groups, like, like our company in this case, provide and are responsible for care directly to consumers, we are held accountable by those consumers because we are paid by those consumers. If we don't provide good care, we get fired. The consumer simply goes somewhere else. It's just like 
hiring a lawyer. If you don't like your lawyer and the lawyer is not providing the good services, then you get another lawyer. Today, unfortunately, we have to rely on a, a on primary care anyways, on the insurance industry, sort of as the middleman to help us facilitate that liaison between the patient and the doctor. The doctor doesn't get paid by the patient today. The doctor gets paid by insurance companies or by Medicare or Medicaid. When you remove that, uh, that, that whole insurance component in primary care by rendering it unnecessary because you've made primary care affordable, many things happen. As we mentioned, you become accountable to your patients, number one. Number two, roughly 40% of the overhead of a medical practice is all used for insurance claims processing. That all disappears. And when that disappears, immediately the doctor has more time, there's less paperwork, and you don't have to worry about doing the paperwork as much as actually spending time on patient care. A third thing that happens is the doctor is no longer incentivized to see patients as, as many as possible per day. In today's system, insurance pays us typically based on the actual in-person visit. So we see a patient, we get paid. That's the formula. So we multiply the number of patients that we can see per day. And unfortunately, when reimbursements to doctors are cut, you'll see doctors trying to even increase that volume further. It's why it's very difficult to get into a doctor's office. They try to pack in as many patients as possible per day or else it's lost revenue. That disappears also in direct primary care because for our flat monthly fee, we see our patients as many times as needed. And so the patients get seen for half an hour. They can be seen for an hour if necessary. And, and the care gets a lot more fun for both doctor and patient. Another thing that changes is the time spent with the patient. Um, that goes up, as we mentioned, anywhere up to an hour, and that also leads directly to access because there are fewer patients now on the panel because there's a, I guess there is a, an emphasis on, on quality rather than quantity. Patients are able to get in faster, which is very important. If you're paying so much money for healthcare, you deserve to be seen when you're sick, not having to wait two or three weeks. Uh, but unfortunately, because doctor's offices are so packed, because of the fee-for-service system, it is difficult to get in, and that leads to, to problems for the patient. That all disappears as well. So there are many things that align themselves properly when you remove, if you will, some of the barriers that currently face medical practices. Now, I know that you talk to a lot of benefit advisors. How, if, if I'm a benefit advisor and I haven't used this tool, let's call it, at my disposal, if I haven't used this before with, with, with my clients, with my prospects, how do I position it? How, what does that sale look like? Because you're, you're still also involved in providing core, which at least for the time being, duplicates some of the pieces of a direct primary care practice. Yes. So I think the number one thing to say to folks who provide benefits or who counsel their employers and groups with benefits is that you really want to be able to find a direct primary care company or carrier that knows what they're doing. And that's important because uh, if they don't know what they're doing, they can accidentally look like insurance and violate laws, which, which is not good for anyone, uh, number one. Number two, you want to make sure that there is the proper sort of reimbursement and compensation aligned with the broker's efforts and done in a way that is compliant with current healthcare law. It's very easy to get in trouble for providers if they start compensating benefits professionals in a way that incent them to go find patients. So that has to be also accounted for. That being said, once it's out of the way and you find a reputable direct primary care carrier with whom you can work with to provide this, there are strategies that can be used, David, many of which um, I'll speak on a general level. 
On an employer level, you have to, of course, be compliant with mandates, employer penalty A, you have to avoid employer penalty B. And so MEC plans, as you know, MEC, uh, which is the essential that's needed for individual mandate and also for employers when they provide insurance for avoiding penalty A, that has no real medical care. It's basically a bunch of tests and and vaccinations and, and some birth control that allows the employer to fulfill that first requirement. That doesn't have any medical care, as you may know. To avoid penalty B, you have to provide, as you I'm sure know, MVP coverage, uh, which accounts for both accountability as well as some type of minimum value plan. And that generally does include some degree of medical care, which now includes hospitalizations. The way you put Medline in, uh, or sorry, uh, any direct primary care program for that matter, is that you have to pair it with one of them, uh, or both of them, rather. And so the strategy becomes very important, whether you combine it with a MEC, whether you combine it under an HDHP plan, which the HDHD plan would cover for the MVP, and then the Medline or the DPC portion would cover for primary care benefits to keep out-of-pocket costs low. That's another way to do it. You can carve out primary care from a self-insured program and use the direct primary care portion to control downstream costs because of the very impactful care that you get in DPC practices. And there are other ways you can sort of combine that as well. But um, it's very important to, again, work with an entity that's done this before many times with brokers on a national level because many have not. And many doctors who are operating on a, on a solo or, or sort of basis, they don't understand how the healthcare laws work to be put together. And that can be kind of tricky. But uh, I hope that gives a good idea of uh, some idea of at least how, how you can put this together with certain plans. The Shift Shapers podcast is a production of the Salzman Group. We work with entrepreneurs, executives, and companies just like you to help shape the shifts in your business. To schedule a 20-minute call to learn more, visit our website at thesaltsmangroup.com or call me directly at 803-386-8005. I'd love to hear from you. And while you're on our site, you can also click the podcast tab for the entire catalog of Shift Shapers episodes and to access some really great special offers. Give me a call at 803-386-8005 and learn how to put the secrets of the Ship Shapers to work in your business.